Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, hey, today I have with me Derek Toshner. Derek is a uh, father of two. He's married to his high school sweetheart, just like me. Um, he is a former gym owner, just like me. And uh, this dude is got a lot of accolades. He, uh, he did college track, 10-time All-American. Five of those uh, were national championships, something to that nature. We'll talk more about that. He is a senior instructor for Strong First, 14-time TSC champ, and so much more, rock climber, entrepreneur, all sorts of things. Welcome to the show, Derek. I'm sure I butchered something there. <laughs> no, that's fine. I think you did just fine, Scott. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to share with some other men what's going on. Yeah, like I I was sharing with you earlier, um, like we I love to talk about adventure, doing hard things, and you actually messaged me. I was like, oh, I have to have Derek on the show. He's such a good ad. So you are, when I, when I think of venture um, and like watching through your, you, you did some winter challenge thing that got postponed or delayed and messed up your foot. I'm like, Derek is so good. He does hard stuff all the time, but I want to start with some of the stuff I read about. So you, you, uh, you've been married for how many years? Well, that's a great question. I got married in 2004. So what does that make it now? Like <laughs> Six, 17 coming up on 17 years. Yeah. Okay. All and right. We were, we were together five years before that. So yeah. That's yep. awesome. High school sweetheart. I met my, my wife in 11th grade. I mean, we became like best friends. We dated for five years, been married for 25. So I totally get it. Um, two kids. How old are your kids? Uh, Lydia is 14 and Seamus is 11. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about some of these uh, awesome. We'll just skip right past. <laughs> let's talk about some of these awesome um, <laughs> physical things that you've accomplished. Going back to high school, you did track and and um, wrestling, mm-hmm. and obviously that re- led to doing track in college. Yeah, yeah. So um, ten time All American. Explain that to me. Yeah. So um, I guess. So- I should almost back up just a touch. I always thought I'd wrestle in college. I loved wrestling. I think wrestling teaches you more about life than any other sport. And I always tell people I kind of became a sissy when I started running track, you know, track is, is a little bit more, you know, weak of a sport than compared to wrestling. Um, but you know, that's why I chose in college, you know, so we would run these workouts where you sprint 450 meters and take a 15 minute rest, you know, and then do it one more time and call it a day. Right. It wasn't, wasn't too difficult, more tedious than anything, but, uh, yeah, um, ended up just running for a great program. You know, I was, uh, coming from a high school wrestling program that, you know, we were just this dynasty. We never lost a conference championship in 34 years. And fortunately, I stepped right into a collegiate track dynasty where we won the national championship as a team for indoor track and outdoor track every year from my freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year. So our freshman recruiting class was just amazing. We had a guy who ended up taking second in the world in the 400 meter dash. We had a guy who qualified for Olympic trials in pole vault, uh, Gatorade athlete of the year in shot put, myself. And so that was our, our freshman recruiting class. And we won a national title as a freshman, you know, as a team. 
And uh, I made it to nationals, but I was uh, I, I didn't earn any All-American awards my freshman year or anything like that. Um, but our team won the national championship. And then every year after that, it was just easy to recruit better and better athletes all the time. I mean, we had a lot of division one athletes coming to this small little D3 school. Um, and uh, our senior year, put it in perspective, uh, I believe my freshman year, we won the national championship with like 55 points. In my senior year, we scored 103 points at the national championships, almost doubled our score, right? We could have probably taken first and second as two separate teams, um, which is pretty incredible <laughs> when you think about it. And uh, yeah, it's just, I think being involved in that atmosphere, it made me better, right? Like I, I wasn't, I was okay in high school, um, but I wasn't great. And I just, I became a good track athlete um, by just being involved in that culture, submerged, 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 is the word I'm looking for, submerged in that culture of, hey, we're here every day to get better or get cut, make your choice, right? So get better, right? And um, yeah, ended up winning um, the 400 meter hurdles as a sophomore, junior and senior. So to my knowledge, I'm the only person to ever three-peat at the NCAA D3 level. Um, the second fastest national champion behind the Olympian, Edwin Moses was a great Olympian, right? Um, and got to run at the Olympic trials and uh, ran at the USA World Team Trials in 2003 and 2005 as well. And then um, obviously was part of a four by 400 meter relay team. That was fantastic. We were ranked third amongst all divisions. It was like LSU, Georgetown, and then our school, UW Lacrosse. Yeah, so great team and uh, won two national titles and a NCAA record with the four by four. Wow. So do you feel like we're going to, we're going to get into the TSC champ, um, you know, the TSC, what do you call that? Tactical strength challenge. Yeah. Yeah, sure. We're going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to get into um, the strong first stuff. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. What kind of role did that experience in college, what, what role did that play in your future success in, in athletic endeavors? Yeah, that's great. You know, I was, um, I went to school for exercise science, right? And so everything I was learning in school, I was applying to my own athleticism, you know, my, like you're your best test subject, right? Learn something and apply it to yourself. And um, yeah, it just makes you curious about what's out there, you know, and getting involved. And, um, you know, I was kind of sick of the same old bench press, you know, leg extension, get on the elliptical kind of after, after my tracker was done, you know, you're looking for that kind of, I don't know, as an athlete, you don't, you don't train to be fit. You train to be good at your sport. Right. And the result is fitness. Right. And so you're always working on this technique, becoming a better hurdler or 400 runner or whatever. And the side effect is, you know, I have 5% body fat. Well, you know, you get out of college and you get out of that atmosphere of running track. And, you know, my brother and I were rock climbing and uh, I remember belaying him and looking up at his hamstrings like, man, my brother's got some hamstrings. Like, what is he doing? You know, He's never had hamstrings. He comes down and he was a collegiate wrestler. And I'm like, you look bigger than you've ever been. And he goes, actually, I weigh less than what I did when I wrestled in college. He goes, I'm training with these kettlebells. I'll write you a program and uh, I'm going to go get certified. We'll see how it goes. And so he wrote me a program. I ended up loving training again, right? And so it was kind of back to that collegiate day of, you know, hey, I get to go and, and work on this technique of this kettlebell thing <laughs> and, uh, and, and get a great workout at the same time, kind of 
cardio and strength and just fell in love with it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're involved in that atmosphere of striving to win, striving to succeed, right? Once you know what it takes to win, you know, you just duplicate that in other areas of your life. You can really transfer it to anything. It's, it's kind of a, I feel like winning is a skill that you can develop kind of like strength is a skill, you know, strength, you can become stronger, right? You can learn how to be successful and then duplicate that in other facets of business or family life or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you have a ton of, a, a ton of trophies, if you will, none of them, I'm sure some of them came easy, but I know how hard you've worked only because I've been watching you through social media and some personal interactions um, for, I don't know, eight, nine years and have followed this progression of just always challenging yourself. I mean, always, it's always something. And I, I think a lot of people don't peer into that world. They just peer into the outcome and always naturally talented. And I think you actually are. I think you have some amazing natural talents, obviously, but I, but the work, the work, and I, yeah. I just think it's, it's obvious by watching you over time that you put in the work. Well, thank you. You know, as a, as a kid, I was picked on a lot, right? I was, I'm a redhead. So ginger, a little picked on, I was a little brother, you know? And so, you know, just naturally picked on quite a bit. And so my outlet was working out and I was actually not a very good athlete, although there was some great athletes in my family. And that's what I had to look up to as I was looking up to all these great athletes in my family thinking like, what is wrong with me? You know, my freshman year of wrestling, I was nine wins and 16 losses and five of my nine wins were forfeits. So I was actually four and 16 as a freshman. I ended up taking second at state, losing to a guy at the buzzer that I had beaten twice that year, unfortunately. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, I'm a true believer that hard work pays off. Like you can't, you, it's almost impossible to put a lot of time, effort, hard work and dedication into something and not achieve some level of success, you know, just copy what other people are doing and, and you're going to see the same or at least similar results to what they're seeing. Right. So, um, same thing with hurdles, you know, my freshman year was terrible. I have a picture of me like skying a hurdle as a freshman. <laughs> I said, I remember as a sophomore, a new coach came in and like, Hey, what events do you guys like to do? And I remember saying, I, I love to hurdle. And one of the seniors said, Toshner, you suck at hurdles legit what he said um he ended up being a national champion in discus believe it or not <laughs> but uh, yeah but hey it's just some of that stuff just drives you to be better hard work really pays off i don't think it drives a lot of I, it doesn't drive everybody they haven't plugged into that yet yeah i think it's a trained um mm -hmm. some of us have it a little bit more innately and some of us are um have trained ourselves do you believe that anybody can train themselves to to that level no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, it's definitely a mentality, you know, and, and I'm not sure if that's genetic or ingrained, you know, from your parents when you're little. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can tell two, two people the same thing, like, hey, you, you suck and one person believes it and, you know, spirals downward. And the other person is kind of like, I'll show you. <laughs> and they spiral upward, right? Yeah. Same, same comment, just two, two, two different drivers. Um, but Scott, you did bring up, you know, liking to push myself. I love to push myself. I think that's just part of life, you know, like when you're working out and there, you know, you hear that voice, like, why are you doing this? Don't you want to stop? This isn't fun anymore. You know, and, and you tell yourself to kind of shove it, 
you know, and I'm going to do this training session, whether you like it or not. And, um, you know, then it, it crosses over in other areas of life when, when certain things happen and you don't want to do something and you force yourself to do it anyway. Um, cause it's the right thing to do, you know, um, or, or when you want to quit, uh, and you don't, and you don't give up. Um, but also putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I'm a firm believer. Like if you feel intimidated, then you're probably in the right spot to become who you're meant to be. You know, I, I learned that in business when I was younger, um, I got in some situations where, you know, I'm sitting in these board of directors meetings, like with like people, I'm just a kid. Right. And, you know, these guys net worths, God knows what they were millions. Right. And I just felt so insecure about myself and, and just that taught me a big lesson in life. Like, Hey, if I'm feeling intimidated, if I feel insecure, this is probably where I need to be to become more. Right. And so I put myself in challenging situations. Like I'm a 400 meter hurdler. I'm a sprinter. I'm a strength. Athlete. I win the tactical strength challenge. I deadlift 635 pounds, you know, and then I sign up for a 64 mile ultra. So it's like, <laughs> I've never even run. I've never signed up for a marathon in my life. Never, <laughs> you know, I've never signed up for a half marathon or even a 5k. <laughs> I just, Oh, 64 mile trail run. Check. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's bypass all of this. I do want to talk about that because I, I kind of followed some of that, but I mean, a 600 plus deadlift, let's just, let's just kind of soak this in a little bit. You're a track athlete who can run. You're long and lanky. I mean, you are, you're very strong. You know, if you're watching this, you'll see, but 600 plus deadlift. <laughs> it's insane. I remember seeing you do, I think I've seen you do like Turkish get-ups with a barbell and all sorts of crazy stuff. I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. But Real the first people. time I met, the first time I talked to you about fitness was actually out on a cruise in the Mediterranean. And you're like trying to explain to me what you do. And I'm new to fitness at that point. Like, I hadn't, from that trip, I came home and got into CrossFit and opened a CrossFit gym, but you were telling me I'm functional fitness. And I just couldn't grasp a hold because there was CrossFit at that time. And then there was like, uh, kettlebells by the way, which have been used for a really long time. And I just didn't get it. And then I've watched over years and you're doing these crazy feats. You're doing like, you can do these things with, um, kettlebells. I can do them with, you know, a nice lightweight kettlebell. And then I see you're doing it with. <laughs> Uh, like these, these crazy things, so much work goes into that, mm. but a 600 plus pound, what'd you say? 635, 635 on the platform. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep, that's in, comp in competition. Yeah. Six, six foot, foot three. One. Yeah. Six, three. Yeah. I have leverage, baby. I got leverage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and the only reason I think I, I think I could have really gone after 700, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but I like to rock climb and, and working on a heavy deadlift, my flexibility was really starting to decline. Mm. And then it was really making my climbing suffer. And so I just decided to kind of give up on that 700 pound deadlift. I was like, ah, what does a 700 pound deadlift get me compared to 635? I don't know. I, uh, think, I think 635 is pretty legit. Yeah, pretty legit. It's legit enough, right? And then, yeah, Turkish get-ups. Um, you know, just studying those, that was a humbling thing. When my brother first showed me kettlebells and he wrote me a program, like I had said, and I was doing a get up with uh, 16 kilograms. He wrote on the program to use 24 kilograms and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It's tough. And I, I, I wrote him back. I said, Hey, I, I can't do 24 kilograms. He's like, what? 
you can't do 24. You know, I was just coming off being a professional track athlete for crying out loud. Right. And, uh, I couldn't do it. So I was using 16 kilograms. And then, you know, you studied the history behind Turkish get up and the Turkish people was kind of a rite of passage from boyhood to manhood to lay on their backs and move to a standing position gracefully with a hundred pound weight. And I'm thinking 800 years ago, what's a boy to a man like 14, you're doing a hundred pounds. Like what is wrong with me? I, how can I, I can barely do 35 pounds. And so I just studied the movement. I just got really, you know, and just a little bit every day, right. It doesn't, doesn't take much you know, just a little bit every day and, and just study it and practice it and kind of experience different things and design different workouts and training sessions around it. And, and then I, I was consistently doing like 135 just for a fun demonstration for people. And then all of a sudden 155 and 185. And I was like, man, I wonder, I could probably do my body weight, my own body weight. And so, yeah, I jumped up to 205 and did a 205 on a barbell. And that's where I really started branching out and teaching this to a wide spectrum of people the get up number one let's say you're a wrestler or a fighter a grappler jiu-jitsu if you can do a turkish get up one arm with your own body weight like what happens when you get to use two hands <laughs> you know you could dominate your opponent just physicality wise right and then but also the get up really resembles how elderly people get off the ground if they've fallen down I saw my dad, he was playing with my kids one time. I have an amazing dad, by the way. He's really good. Um, blessed, very blessed to have a good father. It makes a huge difference in life. And so you got you dads out there, be a real dad because what a difference that makes in your children's lives. But um, yeah, I saw my dad get up off the ground uh, with, from my kids. And I was like, that's a Turkish get up. <laughs> So I started teaching elderly people, like, this is how you get off the ground. Like I've fallen and I can't get up. That's BS, right? Like I'm going to teach you how to get off the ground and you're going to remember it. It's like riding a bike. We're going to develop, you know, this neural pathway of knowing how to get off the ground. So when you're 80 and you fall, you're going to think, you know, I was training with Derek and I know how to get off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so true though. I mean, it's such a foundational movement and the, the, trunk line stability and all the things that you need to make that work are and the neural pathways that are being generated by doing the movement in a, spe a specific way, balancing that weight, all those things. But holy crap, dude, a 205 get up. Yeah. <laughs> little okay. by little, little oh. by little. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now my mind has been blown twice. Now we're going to move to the 14 time um, TSC champ for all our, our kind of strong first your senior instructor for strong first um like man like how did you get in this was this was introduced to you by your brother yeah okay. yep, my brother ryan he introduced me to kettlebells he saw kettlebells he, he saw the movie the 300 remember mm -hmm. the spartan warrior movie right and he's like oh those guys are shredded i want to be like that <laughs> he's like what are they and then he found jim jones and mark twight and that's a whole nother story you know getting to train with mark twight wow what an amazing eclectic very eclectic guy um and uh yeah and that just transitioned to a great relationship with pavel um i talked to pavel sometimes weekly uh which is just fantastic and trying different protocols and in strong endurance um and um which is converted to a course that I teach called all train conditioning. Um, but yeah, I just, I just love it. And uh, you know, the TSC is a, it's a max weight deadlift, you know, followed by uh, uh, pull-ups, strict pull-ups, 
like literally touch your neck to the bar, full extension, pause, neck to bar. The right kind um, of pull up. No kipping. Uh, you know, it's just different. I understand kipping, but once you yep. get strict, it's kind of like, ah, why would I do it the other way? <laughs> you know, it, interestingly enough, I think strict pull ups help my kipping pull ups, but oh. kipping pull ups never help my strict pull ups. Agreed. So, 100%. You know, yeah. So, really, why train kipping other than if you need to train it for knowing the skill of kipping? Um, so then strict pull-ups is the second test. And then the third test is a five minute kettlebell snatch, you know, um, depending on your division, depends on the weight, anywhere from 45 to 70 pounds on the, on the kettlebell. So yeah, I won it, was able to win it 14 times. And, um, it's, it's scored where let's say there's 300 guys in the competition, right? If you take first, you get one point. If you take 300, you get 300 points. So you could win the deadlift and then lose the other two and not win the overall. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I decided it was kind of time to hang it up. I, I won the deadlift, won the pull-up, and won the snatch. My total score was three. And I was like, okay, I think. And there's been some really good competitors since I've kind of stepped down from it. But, um, but yeah, I was like, okay, you know, my time to, like, I think I need to step away from it, actually, to let other people come into it. You know, I almost feel like I was preventing a lot of competitors from getting into it because they're like, eh, Derek's going to win. <laughs> Yeah. So my brother and I decided to help strong first and, and take over the TSC from an admin standpoint. Yeah. Right on. I did not know that, but I did know that I picked up the quick and the dead mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm like looking through this thing and okay, you can't just glance through it. Cause I'm like, I blah, blah, blah. I just mm-hmm. don't even understand it. I need to, I, so I'm waiting to really read it when I have the bandwidth to read it. But I'm just kind of thumbing through it. I'm showing my wife through it. She's a physical therapist. And we're kind of looking at this thing. And we're, I'm like, this is such a cool concept. And then I'm like, huh, there's Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I think I messaged you right away. Dude, I just saw you in the book. So um, obviously then I was like, oh, this is all coming. Like dense me. I've known you for, you know, about you and kind of acquaintance for years. And I'm not starting to put the pieces together with Pavel and strong first and am i this is all coming together (laughs) yeah it's one big puzzle right yeah yeah yeah. it's amazing how god works yeah no i know it it, it's just i'm a little slower sometimes but um, (laughs) but i have had a a really a lot of transition in and working out you know having owned a crossfit affiliate and then working in the fit getting totally out of shape and working in corporate, then going to fitness um, industry and kind of going up and down. And um, what I've realized is that stress is makes it extremely difficult. My stress levels have been through the roof, through the roof. And um, I was doing nutrition protocols and, you know, had coaches and getting workouts programmed for me. And um, finally, someone said, Hey, look, I think your workouts are just adding to your stress. You're doing these high intensity things. You're 46, 47 years old. And so I just started lifting weights and, and I'm just going through this journey of what do I like doing? I mean, and I just really like kettlebells and I like simplicity. I actually look really love deadlifts too. So I'm like, and I like strict pull-ups. I'm like, wow. Okay. I'm never going to be a winner of this thing, but it would be kind of fun to kind of like train that way. Yeah. Do the novice um, division. Yeah. How, how, I mean, have you trained your, or have you changed like drastically changed your training modalities? I mean, I know you're really into climbing right now and that changes what you do. And you just did this attempted this 65 mile thing, which we're going to talk about, but um, 
have you been pretty solid with the with kind of the strong first methodology or have you kind of veered and tried other things no in fact uh the longer i train the more i drift towards strong first not away from strong first um, it's interesting if I look back at my track career, it's exactly how we trained. Like if you get into the quick in the dead book, or if you want to, if you want to really take a science class, take strong endurance by Pavel. Um, but get ready to like <laughs> get out your physiology brain um, and bio biomechanics and yeah, all the science. But um, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's exactly how we trained. You know, you don't, you don't go to the track every day and beat the snot out of yourself. And then expect to run good on Saturday. You go to the track with the specific time regimen, specific rest regimen, heart rate, you know, lactic acid levels, right? All this stuff is important to an athlete, you know. And then when you look at traditional fitness, it's just like harder, harder, one more rep, push until you can't, you know, go to failure, all this stuff forever. And you just, you know, when you don't build in rest and training, your body gives you rest and training through injury, right? So, um, yeah, you know, there was a period of time where it was just kind of like feel the burn, that kind of feel the burn trainer. And then you start to realize like, no, you know what? I never trained like that. And what is this strong first teaching over here? And so to kind of like put in a, put in a little box, you know, there's more to it than this, but to put in a little box, the, the quick and the dead, it's essentially this, like there, there's, there's three energy systems, extreme power movements, right? Creatine, your body uses creatine for energy. If it's so intense, you can only do it for 10 seconds. ATP system, right? Opposite end of the spectrum is endurance, right? Something you can sustain for more than three minutes. You can go forever. Your body uses fat and oxygen for energy. And then the middle zone is this burn zone, this glycolysis, right? Where we build up lactic acid in this miserable, I feel like vomiting zone. Yep. Um, and and strong endurance avoids that zone, right? It's, it's about training the first zone and the set and the third zone and kind of squishing the gap of that second zone. And then if we need to train specifically for an event, like I was a 400 meter hurdler, highly glycolytic, right? It's 60 seconds, you know, or well, 50 seconds. Um, we kind of just, we just peak. It's called glycolytic peaking. You just jump into that for a second and then you just jump out. It's like putting your hand in a fire, right? And you get out, right. but you've minimized that zone by working so much power and so much endurance that, you know, if you're asked to do something in that zone, it's not that bad. Uh, a good example I can give you is, um, you know, I actually went to a CrossFit event. I used to compete in CrossFit and um, they, they named a workout after me. It was grip like Katash. Now, granted, this is a workout that's written after me. So it's going to be playing to my strengths, right? So it was like a pegboard, three laps of a pegboard, followed by uh, some rope climbs, followed by like this traversing monkey bar apparatus system. And then it was 100 kettlebell snatches, 50 on one hand, 50 on the other without setting it down, or you had a 10 burpee penalty. And uh, they're like, hey, Derek, why don't you go first and set the time for all the athletes to beat? And I was like, oh, uh. <laughs> okay. I had like jeans on. I was wearing like jeans, you know, and tennis shoes. So I'm like, okay. So I just took off my shirt, boom, 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 got done, did the thing, you know, and it hurt so bad. Like I had so much lactic acid building up, you know, like ripped my hands open. You know, I felt terrible. Couldn't train for like three or four days after that. Cause I was just so smoked, but you know what? No one beat my time. <laughs> None of the athletes beat my time. And I started thinking about that. I'm like, wow, you know, I've just been training strong first, this 
creatine energy system, this endurance energy system, and it kind of squeezed the gap on that lactic burn zone, right? Um, and I'm still good at it, you know, even without training for it. So I think that says a lot about the training. I think it does too. And it, it, you've really piqued my interest when I know that stress is a problem, which I would say that that lactics area is pretty, probably pretty stressful on the body. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I tell people all the time, like if, if work causes you stress and family life is causing you stress, the last thing you need to do is go to the gym and cause more stress, like go to the gym and relieve some stress, right? Do something nice for yourself. You know, I, I tell my athletes all the time or whoever I call them, people I train my athletes or students, I say like, if you're feeling the burn, you know, it's time to quit. If you're feeling really tired or stressed out or less powerful, it's time to quit. Like call it a day, come back tomorrow. And they often leave feeling like, did I actually do anything? And then, you know, six weeks later, they're like, I feel amazing. I've never felt this good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I think, I think this is a, just a, a, a place that a lot of people don't know about, not enough people know about this type of training yet. And it's super fresh to me and it makes complete sense. Um, I, you know, I used to own a bike shop. I was a cyclist, like that was my thing. And so I've gone through these times when I would go out and do eight, 10 hour rides, like, you know, high endurance things. And, and, and then I went to this CrossFit and then I've done weights and there's definitely sweet spots. So how do you train using the strong, you know, using your methodologies, someone like me that would want to go for a five hour mountain bike ride, you know, climb 10 miles, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's based on your physiology, right? And, and so you progress when your body tells you it's time to progress, right? Not when the, not when the training program says to progress, like I give someone a training protocol and I say, do this protocol until you feel this way. And then once you feel this way, then we know it's time to move on. Mm. And they're like, oh, versus, hey, here's your training protocol for the month. And then next month, it's this. And next month, it's this. And then you keep progressing the way. It's like, no, do it until you feel this way. And then you're ready for the next one, right? And so when I was training for the 64-mile ultra, you know, I'm a dad. I'm a business owner. I have, like, life. And, and I don't have time to, like, oh, I'm going to go, you know, run for 10 hours today to train for this 24 hour race. Like who has time for that? Now, every once in a while I would go recon the trail just to get a, you know, an idea. And I'd run like a marathon just to check it out. Right. But the majority of my training was an hour, an hour a day. And then one day a week I would train one to three hours. And that was my training for a 24 hour race. Right. And it's just, it's about optimizing the energy system. And so just, just as an example, like in the book, Quick and the Dead, it talks about plan 033, swings and pushups, right? So I took that protocol and you go through that protocol the way they describe. And then after a while, you're like, you know what? I, I still feel powerful. I wonder, I wonder if I can continue on and go longer using that protocol and maintain the same power output with swinging my kettlebell and doing my pushups. And rather than quitting when the program tells me to quit, I'm gonna quit when I feel less explosive. That's when I'm gonna quit. And then you just, you slowly build that up to the point where you can go for like an hour of that protocol, staying powerful. And if you really want to measure that, there's something called a push band that reads your power output to your cell phone. And so it's like a built-in personal trainer. You can't lie, right? Like if, if your power output goes down, sometimes you just mentally checked out of the round 
you're like, okay, let me try one. Let me try another round, see if I can get the power back up. Sure enough, I got the power back up. Okay, I'm going to keep going. But if you go two rounds and the power is down, two rounds in a row, eh, it's time to quit. You know, come back at it, keep trying, and and one day, you just just through continued effort, um, you'll be able to go for an hour doing that protocol. Wow. Right. And the same thing with some of the more enduring protocols like heart rate training. You know you go until you start to feel a burn and then you stop and you give yourself a rest. You wait till your heart rate comes down to a certain amount. And if it comes down to a certain amount within a certain time, you get to go again. <laughs> and if your heart rate doesn't come down, you're done for the day. You're just like, Oh, uh, I was really planning to train for an hour today and my heart rate didn't work. So I guess I'm done in 30 minutes. So I get an extra 30 minutes, to go do something else, you know? And so you just progress as your heart rate allows you to progress, you progress. So I'm trying to evaluate, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm trying to evaluate, um, which is higher on the scale for, for Derek. Is it, um, do you like pain? Is it the, is it the challenge or is it the, um, the nerd part? Is it the science of it? And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're pretty high on all three for, for <laughs> and accomplishment. I mean, you got all these things that drive people, right? We all have different things that drive. And one of the things that we, um, my wife studies is actually called the, the four tendencies. When she trains somebody, she gives them an assist, assessment and then works within what really they are driven by. Is it social? I don't know the four tendencies, but, um, and it works really well because she's tapping into what drives them. So I'm, I'm sitting here going, man, are you internally driven? Are you externally driven because of the accolades? Are you, I mean, do you are you trying to work out some pain from your childhood, <laughs> which you had a great, great mm. parents, but um, mm. do you, have you ever kind of like thought through like what, it, why, because you, you run on a different, a different level than most people. Mm -hmm. There's no way we can argue against that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I, I've done a lot of thinking. I'm, you know, I'm pushing 40 now, so I've had a lot of time to reflect on my life at this point. Um, and yeah, boy, so deep question here. So I took um, a Bible study and spiritual development class and um, and just really it brought up a lot of past stuff, right? And and I started to realize, like, I am who I am today because of fear, you know, uh, and, and, and hurt. And so when I was picked on as a kid, you know, my outlet was to go work out, right? And so I wanted to prove my self-worth by being somebody, by being a good athlete, which I wasn't. And so I had to work harder to be that good athlete, right, and kind of prove my self-worth. And so, you know, I, I, after school, I'd go to my practice and then I'd go home, I'd eat dinner. And as soon as dinner was over, I'd hit the basement and I'd work out. I'd come up, shower and go to bed, rinse and repeat. And you do that from, you know, little on and, you know, you're going to become a good athlete. And so going through this class, I started reflecting on this and man, I just started bawling. I started crying like a baby when I realized, like I, I worked out out of, you know, almost anger <laughs> towards the people that picked on me, hatred towards the people that picked on me. Right. And out of, you know, like trying to prove something and, um, Oh gosh, what is that movie? And then I watched the movie and it, now it's spacing me. It's about a gymnast. Maybe you'll remember, um, a, a gymnast who wanted, he was driven to compete, driven to compete. And then he kind of had this aha moment where, you know what, I'm just going to do this because this is my God given ability and I love it. And kind of like, I'm just going to be the best I can be. 
And whatever happens as a result, I'm going to keep challenging myself to be better, keep going down this hole just to see what I'm capable of doing, right? Not for any other reason other than that. And, um, and so that's what it's become. I just, I do, I like to challenge myself. I like to become uncomfortable um, because life isn't easy. You know, I had a mom that said she was a tough mom. My mom was really tough. And I love that about her. I think tough moms out there, if you're a tough mom, good for you. Don't baby your children. Agreed. Um, you know, she's like, life is hard, deal with it. That was a big saying from her, life is hard, deal with it. And, you know, I think everybody goes through tough times, you know, and, and I think the more you train yourself to, in a, in a controlled environment to handle a tough time, then when it happens in a, a real environment that's not controlled, you, you can handle it a little bit better. Um, and so part of the reason for signing up for the 64 mile ultra was I like to climb and mountaineer and I've gotten in some really hairy situations that you have to remain calm. You know, you're starving, you're thirsty, you're tired. And you know what, then there's no mistakes or you like fall and die sort of thing. So, um, you better stay, stay composed. Um, and so that's kind of why I signed up for the 64 mile ultra. Cause I, I'm looking to do Denali, um, and uh, I'd like to take, and just, just base camp of Everest, I'm going to take my daughter on her 18th birthday. I'm going to take her to, to base camp of Everest, um, you know, and just, I always want to be ready for just that, you know, difficult situation. So I looked at the 64 mile ultra as a training experience for that. Well, you hit some obstacles. I mean, this, this is yeah. 64 mile ultra is not just doing 64 miles. I mean, and it was in your neck of the woods. If I know, if I'm, and, and you're pretty far North and it was in the winter and you're going through snow and ice. Um, how was that? I mean, it got, canceled. it got canceled, right? It got canceled because of COVID. Yeah. And, and if I can get on a soapbox for a second, cause I know people are going to hear this and, and we just need to change a little bit and just think for a second. It was the same day they allowed like 9,000 people into the Packer game, you know, for, yeah. That's right. the day they canceled a 64 mile outdoor trail run with 120 people. So, you know, you, you sometimes step up on that. Yeah. Okay. As much as All right. Can. I'm on that soap cup for a second here, but okay. Off that now it is what it is. So I had trained for it. I'm like, well, I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's cold. It's, uh, you know, Wisconsin and, and they normally have the frozen otter, no matter what's called the frozen otter. Yeah. They normally have it no matter what. I, I talked to one guy. He said it was 40 below one time with the wind chill. And he said he had to stop when his eyes started freezing shut. I was like, wow. <laughs> hardcore. That sounds like something I want to try. <laughs> well, I kind of figured like there's not a, a there's not a high risk of me dying, you know, and, and I'm going to try to find my limit so I know what my limit is. Uh, I do know people have lost fingers and toes because of frostbite um, of the, during the frozen otter, which is a little bit of a scary thing, right? So you do like, okay, how do I prevent that or not go that far? Right. Uh, cause it's not worth losing my toes on the, this little 64 mile race. Right. But yeah, so the event was canceled. I'm like, well, I've trained so hard. I'm just going to go do it anyway, which made the event a little bit more dangerous for us because, you know, during the event, they have multiple checkpoints, right. And there's like 120 people on the trail that, you know, and helpers and stuff. And, and, and you have to check in every checkpoint and they know, okay, it's, it's been seven miles from one to the other checkpoint. Like he hasn't checked in, he's somewhere in between there, you know? And so it's, 
it's realistically you're not gonna die you know and it's like okay and you just got to tell yourself that like oh, i'm not gonna die you're fine and so but with it canceled it became a different animal <laughs> i called up my brother and my friend whitney and uh the three of us guys we went out there and um and we did it and during the daytime i didn't mind getting apart from them and uh <clears throat> because there were other people out on the trail you know and uh you don't really have cell phone coverage out there it's called the ice age trail it runs the length of wisconsin it's a really cool trail and um you know we don't you don't have a lot of cell phone coverage but uh anyway i knew there were people out there but all of a sudden you know night fell and it was getting colder and i was about an hour and 15 minutes ahead of my brother and my other friend whitney had to drop off so my brother's an hour and 15 minutes behind me without help and i'm in front of him without so i just stopped and i waited for him to catch up and i don't know if that was a mistake or not you know it just but it was the right thing to do because we shouldn't be out there by ourselves <laughs> after dark, you know, cold, you know, any, and, and at this point we had put on 46 miles. And so like, you're at this level where you could hit a wall at any point. And it's, it's like, it's not like this gradual drop off, like you're going and you feel good. And then all of a sudden smack, <laughs> you're done. <laughs> you know? So it was kind of this, to this dangerous level. So I waited for him and I, I cooled down quite a bit. And by the time he caught up and kind of, you know, ate a little bit and kind of, you know, rechanged some clothes and got, got warm. Um, we started out and I was a little cold and within the first mile, something popped in the bottom of my foot. Ugh. Yeah. And so I'm 47 miles in at this point and thinking, Oh, that's not right. That's definitely, that was definitely a pop. That's not good. <laughs> but I, and I kept going, you know, <laughs> like, well, let's just see how it works itself out. Who knows? And, um, you know, I think if it would have been the real frozen otter, I probably would have just hobbled to the finish line, which would have hurt it worse. But anyway, we got, uh, we got 55 miles in and my brother was maybe a hundred yards ahead of me. And I called up to him and I said, Ryan, uh, I need some ibuprofen. Like he had the ibuprofen. I didn't have it. I'm like, I need some ibuprofen. This is really bothering me. So I had, I had walked from what mile 47 to mile 55 or 56 something like that on this foot and it was just get progressively every mile is just getting worse to the point where i was just hobbling you know and i would have hobbled across the finish line if it was the actual race but he saw me walking up to him and he's like dude this is not even the real frozen otter like what we don't what need you, to yeah what are you doing like we already we've already gone what, what was now i'm trying to think back 56 miles or something like that and He's like, we don't, we don't have anything to prove to go these extra miles and you hurt your foot worse. And he goes, let's just, we're at a road right now. We can call your wife and she can come get us. We'll just call it a day. And I was like, <laughs> on one hand, I'm like, oh, I'm shy of the goal. On the other hand, you're like, that's probably the right decision to yeah. make. Yeah. And I, to this day, I don't know. It's my fifth metatarsals, like jutting out of the side of my foot right now. That was like two months ago. I'm, ironically, I'm leaving for a trip on Friday. I'm going to Nevada on Friday. We're going to go climb um, a thousand foot climb. So it's like a two hour hike, thousand foot climb, two hour hike back out. <laughs> so it's my, my foot is my foot is good enough. I mean, it's good enough right now. It's, it's definitely better than it was. So that's, I mean, that's, that's great. <laughs> it's great. I, I have to always refer back. I mean, I, I, I didn't, I didn't invent this idea, but I, I coined it the, the comfort. <clears throat> now I can't even think of it, but it's this con 
this continuum at one end is comfort and the other end is growth, you know, and accomplishment. Well, the closer you are to comfort, the further you are, are away from growth and accomplishment. So sometimes pushing through those things is, is something that helps us just dig in and, and open new facets of our brain, new facets of what we can accomplish. Um, and it, I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you from an outsider, if it would have been the competition, you would have pushed through. I mean, when I, my very first half marathon, which for me as a non-endurance athlete and a non-runner was a big deal. And I trained, I was doing 10 mile weekends. I mean, 10 mile runs every like Saturday for a long time. And I went out and ran this thing again, not a runner, very first half or anything I'd ever done. And I got to, uh, I was running a seven, I don't know, seven thirteen at mile 10. I was like, wow, my goal was 745 pace. And I'm like, okay, for a non-runner, this is good. And then I felt a really horrible, horrific pain in my foot. And so your story really kind of like resonated with me. It was like horrific. And I was like, whoa. And I ran the last three miles. I ended it at, I ended at a 740. So I, I didn't lose much time. I ran the last three miles as a stress fracture. And I remember out loud, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt like every pace. It doesn't hurt for three, <laughs> three miles. It's amazing. And then I was, I had to be rolled around for months after that. Cause I couldn't walk, but um, it's amazing what your body does when you tell yourself that you can do it. In fact, we had this, you know, really cold temperatures for us. Um, nothing compared to what you're used to for Texas this is Texas. So it was minus 17. Cause we get, we get a good wind minus 17 and I'm out walking. I get up at six, like, I don't care what's going on. I'm out the door at six walking and I have a whole routine I do. And I, it, it sets my day. And, you know, um, I'm out there. <laughs> I've never, my nose minus hairs. 17 is legit. Minus yeah, 17 is, that's real cold. It was cold. My nose hairs, I was like, and my eyes started to kind of feel weird. I'm like, this is new. <laughs> but literally it's times like those where I actually get so, like I, I tapped into that, that little primal survival um, thing. And I think of, so like, this is what goes through my mind. Soldiers that were, you know, in World War One, World War II, where they had no extra gear, they had no special things, and they're in foxholes or conquered down, they're getting bombed. I'm thinking of these things, and it, and it becomes easy. It's like, yeah. this is no big deal. Yeah, let's be real. We're soft. We are, we so, are. so soft. Like, you know, and I, I was watching, this was a couple winters ago, I was watching the news and everybody was all like, Oh, be careful. It is so dangerous outside. It was, um, Oh, it was minus 25 or something like that. And then the wind chill was like minus 40. Right. And it is, don't get me wrong. It's dangerous. That that's definitely dangerous. Cold. I get it. Right. And we have to warn the public about that, but it was almost like, it was almost like everybody was totally quarantining. Like we can't do anything. And I was like, you know, it's all about having the right gear. And I looked at my wife, I'm like, I'm going to go sleep outside. And she's like, what? You're going to do what? And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm definitely, I definitely need to do this because I need to prove to people that if you have the right gear and you're smart about it, it's okay. And, and humans are tougher than we think and, and we can handle stuff like this. And so, yeah, I went and I made like a little snow bunker, you know, and, and put up a tent and, you know, got super good gear and went out there and slept the night and my friend Bob he's a retired 65 year old guy I posted on Facebook I was gonna sleep outside he's like are you really gonna sleep outside and I said yeah and he goes I think I want to do that with you you see and that was it it's like 
the student, as soon as you decide to do something hard, you inspire other people to do hard things. And so he comes over and, and he start, you know, and he went and did it with me. And I think it was like 1.30 AM, he got up to go pee, thank God. <laughs> like I didn't, I thought he was getting up to quit. Mm -hmm. um, and it, as soon as he opened the tent door and stepped out, I thought he was quitting. I thought he was gonna go up because uh, we weren't too far from my house. And I instantly got colder just knowing, just thinking he was giving up on me and I was going to be in that tent by myself. It was like instantly I got colder. It was really bad. And then he came back in and I was like, whew, I thought you were leaving, Bob. And he goes, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> he so, crawled back in his sleeping bag. Awesome, dude. I love Bob. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we just got to push ourselves to do hard stuff within, you know, you know, in these parameters, obviously don't, don't do something that you're going to die doing, but like, you know, push yourself to where, you know, your, your limits. I like doing hard things in a controlled environment. I knew if I could get, I knew if I'd be in trouble, I could just, you know, walk to my house. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> One of the reasons uh, that I was really driven to create the brotherhood was to have other men to do hard things with, because it, uh, on your own, you'll do hard things, but you'll also I know that you'll back out faster. I know that I'll stop sooner. I know that I'll like, eh, I don't really feel like it today. And when you have this cult, this, uh, this tribe, uh, and, and they're leaning on you and you're leaning on them, there is a ton of power in that. And I really do believe that we need to lean into discomfort. I feel like we're way too soft men right now. If you're hearing this and you're not challenging yourself every single day, when you don't, when you go through your day and you're thinking, Hmm, that was an easy day. Like, you sucked today. I'm sorry. You, 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 you failed. You should be challenging yourself and pushing yourself and have some moment of what am I doing? Because those are the moments in my opinion that forge you into something that's going to be better than just your average dude. Um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember like from a business perspective, it, the second you said that it reminded me about business. Uh, I think when I was really, really driving my business hard every day, I almost felt sick to my stomach every day. Like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, you know, I really do. This is scary. Every day I felt sick to my stomach. And how did that make you feel? I mean, but, but you were successful. It drove you. Right, right. Yeah. If you look at what was created as a result of that, like, yeah, it's a pretty cool thing. It's helping a lot of people, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I actually do want to go down that road. Um, I didn't okay. plan it, but I was yep. kind of Here it is. interviewing you <laughs> and I, I wanted to talk to you about it because look, um, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to lay this out in a, in a minute, but, um, yeah, I'm just going to lay it out now. So I, I want to start with a little thing and then I'll kind of let you kind of tell your story and, and lay this out. One thing that about being in the fitness industry and working in the fitness industry is that there is a real almost hatred towards direct sales and a, a lot of people, not everybody, but there's just some real voices out there. They've been burned or they thought they were getting something they didn't get. There's a real misunderstanding. Um, I, my wife and I had incredible success in direct sales. It changed our lives. It caused me so much growth. We helped a lot of people. A lot of people helped other people. A lot of people had great success in life and, and it catapulted. I still get, Derek, I still get calls. I had a call like two months ago. A guy said, you saved my life. I'm wow. like, dude, I, I mean, we were like in a room together like five times. He's like, you don't understand. I was a 
about to kill myself. And when I heard you speak and talk about hope and about being able to change your outcome by, you know, getting focused and making good choices. I mean, I was just like trying not to cry. This guy's talking to me. He's like, you literally saved my life. I am fit now. I have a family now. And I was, you know, hours away from ending my life. Okay. That's going to leave a mark. This is what I'm talking about. So my wife and I got involved in a direct sales company. We had success. Then we kind of just got soft and weird. And a lot of people do and kind of just settled into a great paycheck for many years. And then it was stripped away in a, in a heartbeat. Now, um, I want to, I want to address people's thoughts about direct marketing. This is not where I thought we were going to go, but I want to go there because it's, it's cathartic for me. Um, I am scared to death of it now because I had a, a solid income go away, you know, basically in a day. Um, now, you probably had double, triple, quadruple that. So let's talk about your views on direct marketing because you are successful. Uh, we've laid the, found, the foundation. Derek knows how to make things happen. Derek knows how to do hard things. Derek knows how to win. And you won, you've won in sports, you've won in strength, and you've won in business. So let's, let's go there. Let's talk about direct sales, people's view of it, and where you're at. And, you know, let's just go there. Hmm. Interesting. Well, there's a lot of ways, a lot of things to talk about there. <clears throat> I think the first is, is what, uh, you know, what I went through, what my journey was with direct sales. Okay. So, um, I grew up and my parents tried to do Amway when I was a kid. Amway. Big. Mine yeah. too. Yeah. Okay, cool. And they weren't successful doing it. They made a little bit of income. Um, but I, I saw when they had kind of hope for it and I saw a lot of people that were successful doing it. And so I knew you could be successful doing it for whatever reason, you know, it didn't work for my mom and dad. It, it just maybe wasn't their personality or they didn't grow through it or challenge themselves, whatever. But I knew there was potential with it. Right. And I just always felt like mm, the companies I was always approached by were just weird. You know, they just never fit me. You know, it wasn't a product I was had interest in selling. God instilled my enthusiasm and, and just to go off on a rabbit trail for a second, a second enthusiasm is broken down into entheos, entheos, meaning in God or of God, enthusiasm, entheos, right? So my enthusiasm for fitness, and that's what I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden comes this company that, you know, was involved in health and wellness. I really, you know, tagline, we build champions, like, er, like, yeah, this is cool. I like this company. And it was just a fit. Yeah. And early on with that company, it's amazing. You say you, you helped save that guy's life. Like that makes all the hard things in business worth it. Doesn't it? Yeah. Right. Like there's a lot of difficult things. I and mean, there's a lot of times you're sitting in your kitchen thinking, what am I doing? Or you're in the shower, like crying. <laughs> Let's just be real. Like it's not working. You know, you're like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? You know? And then all of a sudden you save somebody's life and you're like, why was I, why was I so distraught? over the tough, this guy was going to kill himself. Like I helped, I helped a guy lose 225 pounds. <laughs> yeah. With the, with the, the program. And I was like, I don't care if I make a dime doing this company. I love it. I love it. I love the culture of men. I love what they stand for. They help people, you know, it doesn't matter what I earn. Well, 
obviously 17 years later, I had built a multi-million dollar business with it. Um, just helping people, just being passionate about and loving doing it, right? Um, and then we get a conference call in seven minutes, that whole business was gone. You know, they changed the, their, the way they paid us. And, uh, you know, looking back at how kind of destructive that was into my life, it was destructive because I allowed it, I allowed it to be destructive. You know, I had changed, I had changed my reasoning for doing what I was doing, right? I was focused too much on, on the temporary and not enough on the eternal stuff, right? Stuff that lasts. Like I had to take myself all the way back to like, why did you start doing this in the first place, dude? Cause you love fitness and you love helping people. You know what? Yeah. 17 years of your worth, of your work was stripped away in a heartbeat. Who cares? Right. You, you don't get to take that with you anyway. Right. What do you get to take with you? You know, get back after it. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, dove back into fitness cause I love it. It's, love, it's what I love to do. Spent another year and a half searching for the right company to be involved with and, uh, and found that company again, just because, and, and just realizing, you know what? I just love to do it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care if I ever get back to where I was or not. I just really enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy helping people with a good product or program, you know, and if it fits great, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell people about it. You know, if there's something good, you got to tell people about it. Why hold it back from people? And so, yeah, I mean, I'm just getting after it again. Why people hate direct sales. I don't know. You I know? don't understand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just, you, a lot of people don't understand business in general, right? Like you put toothpaste on your toothbrush in the morning, somebody's making money. You flip on your light switch, somebody's making money, right? Like get over the fact that somebody's making money off you, right? Like you just got to get over that. I think that a lot of people don't like it. Like, oh, you're making money off me. Well, everybody makes money off you. You know, you went to the grocery store, somebody made money off you, right? So I think that's one of the reasons. Another thing is I think people hate being sold something, Right. And so I think as a direct marketing, and you have to realize that, like, stop selling people stuff, right? Just start talking to people. Like if you're, if you have something that's a fit for them, great. And if not, shut up. Yeah. Like stop talking to them about it. Like there's other things in life other than your product or program, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. if it's not a fit for them, move on, you know, stop being a, stop being a used car salesman about it. Well, and I think a lot of people do go in. I guess into that's it. just my take on it. It's a great business model. It just. Yeah, I, I just. Yeah, it's a great people, business model. I think people go into it thinking they're going to get, you know, some people promise that they're going to make a lot of money. They don't make a lot of money immediately. Mm -hmm. They're like mad. They spend a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks or five hundred bucks or two hundred bucks. I'm like, dude, do you know how much it costs to start a business? Like if you're under a hundred grand for a brick and mortar business or an <laughs> online you're in good shape. So like, right. suck it up. You right. and plus a lot of people don't work. They just yeah. don't know how to, they're like, I just, it'll just come to me. I know a lot of people mm -hmm. and, and yeah, it's going to burn bridges. You know, it's trying to pull people from out of a position of not, they're not entrepreneurs and it's trying to pull them into something that's entrepreneur minded. Right. Like if you're an entrepreneur, you don't think like, oh, I'm going to spend $100,000 on this business. Okay. Or like, I'm going to buy a franchise for a million bucks. Like, oh, okay. Or I'm going to buy this real estate property. Like, that's just what I do. That's because you're already entrepreneur minded. Right. And so it's almost direct sales, almost like the fitness industry, like overweight, out of, pe out of shape people are coming into your gym. 
your gym is this atmosphere of Derek Toshner can do a 205 pound Turkish get up and a 635 pound deadlift. They feel intimidated coming into your gym, right? They feel, they don't feel comfortable doing that. And you're trying to like change that person's life and make it better. Now, some people you do, some people you don't, right? Direct sales is the same thing. It's like, almost like, Hey, check out this thing. It's like a business and you, you can start for incredibly cheap, almost nothing, you know, 50 bucks sometimes, right. <laughs> you know, and, and give it a shot and learn a bunch of lessons. And, and I can tell you this, it's the direct sales or multi-level marketing is the hardest, in my opinion, the hardest business to get up and running off the ground. But once it's up and running, it's like the easiest business to maintain this versus like all of my other businesses that I started in my opinion, very, very easy to get up and running off the ground, making some money. But the bigger those businesses get, the busier I get, right? And the crazier my life gets. And I'm like, oh, I can't handle it. And I usually end up selling them because I'm a terrible manager. <laughs> and I, I just don't like managing people. You know, I'd rather manage a job or a task, right? So you know, yeah, that's my own fault. But I love your, I love your aspect or your, your insight because I've been, I've been like, I'm never doing that again. Like it's just been my mindset and I, you're making me really think about challenge myself. Like why not? Like, what is your problem? And I'm not saying I'm going to sign up today for anything. I'm just saying like, let's really evaluate. Is it what people think about you? Because I mean, <clears throat> probably like four months ago, I, 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 I coined a, um, a principle that my business partner and I are talking about, and we called it the hundred percent principle. And I was talking about it and I mentioned the principle and then some guy replied back, but this is, this is the mindset of folks. He's like, what are you going to start selling books now? You're going to sell us your coaching. I mean, he went all into like, it's, I'm yeah. like, like, what if I do like, do, do you not go to McDonald's and eat a burger and pay for it? I don't, I, people have such a screwed up mentality around paying somebody for something. Well, if they, if it's worth that, if it has value, you probably yeah. should pay for it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people's mindsets is so much easier to, you know, go punch a clock, make some money and work, let somebody else worry about owning the business, right. Or owning the company or whatever. And yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, and it's okay. Everybody's different, but yeah, it's my goal. And maybe through this podcast, help people understand a little bit more about business. Like in, in my opinion, no, I'd rather support a smaller business than these kind of big corporations. Like, you know, part of the reason I'm an entrepreneur is because I, I don't like big corporations. I cannot stand, I cannot live my life having someone tell me when I can eat lunch, when I can take a break, when I can go to the bathroom, like when I can take vacation days, when I can't like, no. Uh-uh. Uh, I'm going rock climbing this Friday. You know who I had to ask for that? My wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Good me, call. you know, yeah. like, you know, hey, and it's, you know, and she understands. My wife is like, she understands I'm a man. She read, when we were in college, we read the book Wild at Heart. She understands I have to conquer things, right? That's part of my thing. It's just, uh, I got to rip my shirt off and unleash the beast sometimes, right? Um, <clears throat> so she's like, go, see you later. <laughs> I have. I don't know. I have noticed that she'll post some funny things where, like where she sees rock climbing stuff for sale. She's like, so Derek, or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is, like uh, she knows that you, you know, you, you have this probably it's super healthy addiction. Really. It's, you know, it, maybe it's not an addiction, but it's a drive. 
how do you balance that? I think a lot of men want to know, like, how are you getting the time to do this? You have two kids. And I would assume just by the way you operate your life, you're a great dad, great husband. I know I, you know, I've talked with your wife many times. She seems very happy. Um, so what do you, what are some of the tenants that you live by? Some of the principles that you practice to make sure that those things stay in, in line? Yeah. Well, I guess number one, like kind of talking about business is, you know, and doing direct sales, multi-level marketing really opened up my eyes to um, residual income businesses like real estate and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and, or businesses where you can figure out how to make yourself worth a lot of money in a short period of time. So like if I work for a day and I can make anywhere from a thousand to $3,000 in that, that day, like I might not work the rest of the week. You know what I mean? And so that allows me more time with my family. So we homeschool our kids. Um, and that allows me a lot of time, uh, with them. The first thing we do when we wake up in the morning is we, you know, read some kind of Bible verse, uh, story book. We're going through the purpose driven life right now, which is a pretty common, you know, Christian book. We'll, uh, read the, or watch the movie, the chosen. That was a great series online, just stuff like that. You know, like starting off the day as a family doing something good. We're not much of a dinner family. Like I just think that's such an important thing. Like I grew up eating dinner with my mom and dad every day, every day we had dinner together as a family. Um, our family more or less starts our day together. And then by the end of the day, we're like, ah, all crazy doing our own thing. But like, I like starting the day with the kids and, and then doing some homeschool stuff and, and other times I'm busy, but I, I often like to pull them on adventures as well, you know, and give them that adventurous spirit. Like, you know, this is life guys, right? I think we're, we're too stuck in society, like right here, you know, like going, or this is life right here. Oh man, if this thing drains you, man, drains yes. you. I feel tired, exhausted, stressed, angry. Like, and then all of a sudden you go outside and go for a walk and be like, oh my gosh, nature is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we just got a couple of four wheelers, just little four wheelers are bombing around on those things together as a family over at grandpa's woods. And yeah, just doing fun stuff together, man. That's, well, you, you just kind of clicked on something that I, I see is, is that phone, that technology. Um, like when we're around our wives, this needs to go away. Mm. I mean, you know, like that's, it's a big practice I'm working on is like, it's down and it's away and, and, and it's not a distraction. I think that's a big problem men have. They're like, my wife doesn't let me do anything. It's like, but, but Hey, like, why don't you evaluate when you're with her? Are you with her? Mm. You know? And so, um, how, how do you and Shannon maintain a, a fun and interesting relationship? If you do have a fun and interesting relationship, I know she cooks a lot of, or makes a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think early on, so Shannon and I have been together since high school. She just came in from her workout. Um, and so let's see here. She was a, a junior and I was a senior. And so then I went to college, uh, away from, and she was in high school and I was in college. So we were apart for a year. I would come back on weekends this year every now and then, but then once track started, I didn't come back at all, you know? And so I think we got used to being apart, you know, and being separate and kind of almost living, uh, separate lives and having separate, um, passions, I guess. Um, you know, or, or she loves kids, 
Um, and I think recently now, yeah, she loves to cook <laughs> and she's gotten way better at that. I think she's awesome. At, awesome at cooking. Um, and she loves to, she loves to entertain. And, um, yeah, so I would say that's just it. She loves children and she loves kind of bringing people into lives. And, and I don't know if I can be just real. I think that's just, in my opinion, that's more of a womanly characteristics, right? She kind of loves to nurture and stuff like that. Um, and I love adventure and going away. And so, and even early on in our relationship, you know, I was running track and I'd fly to California and I'd come back and I'd be home for a few days and I'd go to Missouri and I'd come back. And so we just got used to kind of living two independent lives and then kind of coming together for a collective effort. And I think that's where we click is we have a lot of similarities when it comes and it helps us out a lot. And maybe this isn't your home, but I really feel at ease and comforted by the fact that this works in our house. Like from a spiritual standpoint, we jive from a political standpoint, we jive. Um, and that helps a lot. Right. Um, so like I would, I think from a lot of the basic characteristics of people, like we, we click on those. And then besides that, we're, we're actually quite very different people. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's, and that's okay. I think, I think it's good. <laughs> I think it's really good. I think it's really healthy. That's awesome. So <clears throat> before we went out of time, I want to, I want to make sure that we understand all the things that Derek does. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm sitting here going, man, I'd really like to hire you as a coach. <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously do you do online coaching? Like what are, what are all the things you're involved in? Sure. Um, so I think, you know, your listeners are going to probably be from all over the States. So I'm just going to and maybe the world, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to uh, just kind of touch on that stuff, not local stuff, right? Um, so I teach a course for Strong First called All-Terrain Conditioning. There's going to be one in Modesto, California uh, this fall. It's in September. There's one here in Wisconsin at my brother's gym near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's going to be cool. So that's near my house. You can come to the obstacle course and play maybe. Um, and I'm teaching one out in New York uh, in April. Okay, so that's that's the schedule for the rest of the year on all terrain conditioning. Uh, I do online coaching and, and training. You have to have a goal, otherwise I won't train you. <laughs> I, awesome. I I just I've learned that I like to train people for a specific event or thing in their life, and then once they achieve their thing, I celebrate and say, "Fly, fly!" You know, you're kicked out of the nest, little birdie. Flap your wings and go, right? Like, right. and just rinse and repeat the program over and over. I mean, I did the same warm up every day for six years straight in track and field, right? Like, you can repeat my six month training program over and over and over again if you want, right? It's going to work. And if you ever have something else, come back. But yeah, so you got to find me for that, though. I don't advertise it because I'm so picky. Um, and, and typically I do podcasts and things where people kind of hear me. This is kind of advertising for me. Um, I make you track me down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you got to find me on social media, Derek Toshner or, uh, Instagram. I'm uh, TNT adventure fit. Uh, I don't have a website for this, you know, so you're not going to find it that way. Search for me and tell me your name and what you're interested in. And we'll talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, uh, and honestly, if you, if you want to win, if you feel entrepreneurial and you kind of have that direct sales itch, um, there, this is an incredible leader folks. I've seen it. I've watched it. Um, I know. So I'll, I'll give that, I'll give that plug. 
Um, looking forward to getting some samples from you. You know me. Uh, oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nutritional products. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I just think supplementation. I've been, I've been a vitamin taker my whole life. You know, uh, my grandma was involved in a in a company, and ever since I could chew, I've been taking vitamins. And so I just believe it's a healthy part of fitness. You know, you have great functional workouts that are driven towards a specific goal. Clean eating and healthy nutrition and supplementation helps you fill in the gaps or meet needs that you can't or achieve faster things, you know, like from recovery or energy. So yeah, I mean, all of them combined make for a really healthy person in my opinion. So yeah, I, I agree. Well, awesome, man. We, uh, I missed so many questions I wanted to ask. Uh, I want to thank <laughs> you for, for joining us and sharing your adventures and all your accomplishments and talking about challenges. I think it's a really important message out there. So thank you very much. Thanks, Scott. Looking forward to uh, following you and your program. I want to yeah. get involved too. You, I want to see how I can get involved with this. We're going to have a talk right after this because I have an idea. Awesome. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> listeners. Uh, all right. Yeah. Thank you, Derek. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.